Hey friends, I'm Jenny Meyer, and you're listening to the Rooted Truth Podcast, where we look at the world through a biblical lens. We talk about real life, biblical truth, and how to walk with Jesus through it all. Be sure to follow me on social at Jenny Meyer and at The Rooted Truth. Also, be sure to subscribe to the members-only, all-exclusive episodes on The Rooted Truth Podcast by going to www.therootedtruth.com. Now let's get started. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to invite you to a brand new Rooted Truth Collective. This collective is a comprehensive Christian membership with like-minded individuals that will have you growing in your walk with the Lord, led by myself and Lori from Remnant Rising. Not only does this collective include a censorship-free community, the members-only podcast episodes, guest Q&As, deep dives into scriptural truth, but it also includes our virtual Bible studies, which we're actually starting very soon. Join us as we dig deep into the major covenants of the Bible and look at their meanings, God's promises, and how they hold true for us today. We start this study January 12th, and I would love to have you join us. This is all included in the Rooted Truth Collective. So go learn more at www.jennymeyer.com slash the collective. Welcome back to the podcast. You guys, I have an amazing, amazing show for you guys today. Um, Long awaited. I mean, I was nervous to reach out to this guest, but I'm so glad that I did. Um, I have David Wilcoxon with me today. He is the author of the Revelation Timeline Decoded, the All of It Discourse Decoded, and the 70th Week of Daniel Decoded. Many of my listeners, you guys have read these books and you are are waiting this as well. Um, Just really looking forward to this conversation and where it goes. So David, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you inviting me. I I love it when people reach out to me. I mean, I know it's intimidating to write to an author, but I'm like, I want feedback. I want to know people are reading it. And if they have questions, contact me. Yeah, that was so cool. Cause I mean, when you replied, um, cause it did go to my, my spam, right. your reply. And so I'm like, okay, like it's, a, I think I maybe emailed you on a Friday and then you <laughs> sent on another, like you checked back in, like, Hey, did you get right. this reply? And I right. so appreciate that because I didn't like, it totally went to spam. Um, so I'm, I want to start out with you maybe telling the audience a little bit about you, your background, kind of where, like what led you down the path of being an author and, and digging into these great topics, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it wasn't my life goal. I didn't go you know, in high school when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was not to be an author. I never would have visualized that. But uh, I mean, I grew up in a Christian family in the Denver area and um, was redeemed into the kingdom at age seven gratefully, thankfully. So grew up in Baptist churches. I think I was in Baptist churches till my thirties. And then I started going to Calvary chapel churches. And I like, if you've ever been, um, they do book by book, book, verse by verse. So I like that instead of just topical, let's go through the Bible and let's step through the Bible. And that really hit me. But, um, so that's my upbringing. Um, as far as my track to get here. (laughs) Wow. I think the spirit, um, started with the worldly, deceptions. So it wasn't even a prophecy. It wasn't anything. It was more what's going on in this world. And when you look around and you see things and narratives that the enemy is creating, um, you go, this is fake. This is something's wrong with the story. And 
So that kind of woke me up and took me down that track. And there's a lot of people on that track and they realize that there's a fake narrative going on. Um, when it comes to church, I got frustrated in church. And the reason is, is because this world keeps getting crazier and crazier. And my pastors, you know, even on the internet or whatever, they weren't teaching me where we're at on the timeline. What's going on? How does this fit in with what Messiah said 2000 years ago? Where are we at? And, and, and what do I do? And so I got frustrated with it. So um, I just started praying about it and going down a track of uh, praying about it. And the spirit just kind of led me to the biggest thing. Um, and I think I told you this last time we talked was that he told me to look to the great theologians who wrote whole Bible commentaries during the 16th through 19th century. So these were brilliant pastors who, who did commentaries on almost every verse in the Bible. And then I started reading, what did they say about Daniel nine? What did they say about the Olivet discourse? What did they say about revelation? And it just opened my eyes because it was a completely different narrative than what pastors are teaching today. And so that started me down the track of going, wow, there's a grand deception going on here and I want to pursue it. And I, and I knew that from that point, when I started learning things and we'll talk about it more, what prophecies I knew that I had a role to play to, cause this wasn't just for me. Yeah. It was, I was, I was supposed to share this with other people. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, no offense, but I love that you're not a pastor. I love that you are a, like, just like us, yeah. you know, the ones that are listening to this podcast that you sought out the Holy spirit to then guide you on this. Because I mean, it's been a big conversation with the, the ladies in my Bible study of like, you guys, you guys can tap into the Holy spirit and ask for discernment, ask for revelation when you're reading the Bible. That's what you don't, you know, you don't have to get it from a pastor, you know? Right. And so I love that. Yeah. And actually it's a disadvantage being a pastor mm -hmm. from, from a point of Bible prophecy, because they've gone to school, they've trusted that their school, their professors teach the right explanation and they get that programmed into their mind. And it's really, really hard to escape it. Right. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. We know the script and that gets programmed into their minds and they teach the script. And so they're at a disadvantage. It's probably much harder for them to, to see the truth mm -hmm. because of their programming. So, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, even like growing up, you know, I grew up in a Christian home as well. And right. this is what we're fed, you know, right. we're fed the, the dispensationalism. We're fed all this. Yeah. Right. And that's what, you know, and then you have this cognitive dissonance of like, well, wait a second, this is going against everything that I believe to be true. Right. Um, so yeah. So why, I mean, if you had to say like, why is biblical prophecy important, especially right now in 2023, now that we are there, mm, gosh, so many avenues I could go with, um, and, and we'll get to it, but you know, it, it's about where we're at on the timeline. And when you understand that you go, wow, there's really not a lot to be fulfilled before Messiah returns. So how extremely important is this, yeah. but it goes back to the false script. When you're believing the false script, then the enemy has you following that script and you're not understanding the true fulfillment of prophecy. For, so you're not prepared for Messiah's return. You're not prepared for how things are going to play out. Mm -hmm. um, but the bigger thing I think with me was that when I understood this, when I came to understood these, understand these things, I was like, you know, Messiah died for our sins 2000 years ago, right? He, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He's, he promised to return for us, but 
those things, we believe those things by faith, but they're 2000 years ago. And when you see Bible prophecy and you see that these prophecies were foretold some, the seventh week of Daniel was foretold in whatever the fifth, sixth century BC, and it came true in exacting fulfillment. When you see the Messiah gave the prophecies in Revelation 1900 you know, years ago to John, and then you start seeing the historical fulfillment of a lot of those, then you have tangible evidence for your faith. You have something that's real, that's tangible. You see it and you go, wow, that's amazing to see how Messiah predicted this and how he worked through his saints to make it come true. Um, but the bigger picture too, the more I, I, I see it is that it, it provides us the evidence that the Bible is true, right? It validates the Bible because these things were foretold for a long time ago and you see the fulfillment and it validates the Bible and it validates the deity of Messiah who foretold it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, and this is why the enemy has worked so hard to hide it because mm -hmm. he doesn't want it. I mean, especially now. And that's why it's really important now because the Protestant reformers that had proclaimed the gospel person by person by person. And it was effective and millions of people were redeemed for the kingdom during the Protestant reformation. But we live in an information age where in a heartbeat, in a video, the message can get heard and believed and understood. And so there's the capacity to impact how many people with the truth to see it and see, you know, to come to faith, yep. to have something to believe in, you know? Yep. So. Absolutely. And okay. So before we dive like into like the good stuff that I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about, and I'm sure you are too. Um, what is, let's do just real brief. Like what is that deception? What is that narrative that, you know, is taught in seminary that you and I were taught growing up? Like, right. what is it? Well, you know, I have a, a, a running teaching thing, and what that means is that when you listen to a video from a pastor and when he points to a future 70 year tribulation period, which is the 70th of Daniel, and I don't mean this, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just telling the truth. I'm saying when you hear him say that, then you know that that person doesn't have much to offer you in the explanation of the fulfillment of revelation. And so what that means is that the script, what's the script that's been programmed into our mind? It's that the Antichrist will make an Israel peace agreement for seven years. There'll be, the, uh, some people believe at that point, there'll be a pre-trib rapture where the saints are, are you know, caught up. Um, there'll be three and a half years of relative peace. At the middle of the seven years, the Antichrist will enter the Jewish rebuilt temple. He'll desecrate it. He'll proclaim to be God. And then during the last three and a half years of that seven year period, the seals, trumpets, and bowls will be fulfilled during the time of great tribulation. So that's the script yep. and over and over, it's been programmed into our minds so much so, so that people can't comprehend of anything different. Yeah. Right. So that's what we have to overcome. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And I mean, that's how, that's how I was raised. It's the dispensational, whether you believe like you were taught like pre-trib rapture, mid-trib, you know, like there's all these different rapture theologies right. and, and we'll get into how the left behind series plays into that right. a little bit. But, um, I mean, I was taught pre-trib rapture, you know, we're just right. waiting for, for Jesus to come back. We're just, you know, here and one day we're going to be gone. And I mean, it wasn't for me until, the last two years when I, it wasn't sitting right. It just literally like, wasn't like, it was this turmoil inside me. And I probably read the book of revelation three times within like six months, just like trying to dig in. Right. And, and I felt, I felt like I got there because when you read it, 
again and again, and you're praying for discernment, you're praying for um, God to speak to you through scripture. It, it did. He did. I mean, he did. And so I was able to see that. And then when I came across your book, um, goodness, it's probably only been like four or five months ago that I came across your stuff and, and started with the 70th week of Daniel, because that was the one, because I kept saying, you know, to all the women in my Bible studies and close friends, I'm like, I don't think there's going to be seven years at the end. Like, I don't think it. And that's the Holy spirit speaking to you. Like, cause where else would I come up with that? Because everything I'm being fed is the opposite. And so when I read your book, it was like light bulbs. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. And it makes the rest of scripture make sense too. Right. So, I mean, Oh, I love it. (laughs) Well, that's why it always starts with the seventh week of Daniel. Yeah. And I was the same way when I came to understand, I'm like, well, where's that in scripture? And people said, Daniel nine, specifically Daniel nine, 24 to 27. And when I read it, I'm looking at it going, I'm like, I don't see it talking about an antichrist. I don't see it talking about the end times and I'm really logical. And so how in the world would the father give a 70 week prophecy and only 69 weeks have been fulfilled? And there's a 2000 year time gap in between the 69th and 70th week. And that's yet future. I'm going, you know, so that in my mind, I go, that doesn't make sense. How, how does that make sense? Why would the father give a 70 week prophecy if it's not fulfilled in 70 consecutive weeks? Yeah. It makes no sense. And there's no, nothing in the text that says there's a break and there's nothing in the text about the end times of the antichrist. So that stirred my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same, and it's same so as true. You. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you look at that 70th week, you know, right. and, and he was cut off. You know, right. that's what right. happened. That's, you know, know, he paid the price. He died for us and the right. ultimate sacrifice. And I love how you also tied it into the everlasting covenant, you know, the Abrahamic covenant, like tied right. it in because it ratified it. It totally did. Well, you know that. And, I, and so everybody always fo- focuses on Daniel nine, 24 to 27, right? Those four verses, that's yeah. it, you know, but, yeah. but the spirit was like, no, read the whole chapter. And of course I did before, but pay attention more to what it says in the whole chapter. Mm-hmm. And you realize that Daniel is praying. He knows that the Israelites or the Jews have been in captivity for almost 70 years. So they're due to be released and he's wondering what's going to happen to them. So that's the context. And he knows that they were already rebellious. That's why they're in captivity. But now they've been steeped. A lot of them have been steeped in the Babylonian mystery religion. So they're worse off than they ever were. So he's praying for repentance. He's he, he's like, this isn't good. We didn't heed his instructions to repent and do all these things and come back and we're ready to go, you know, follow you. He's seeing something different. So he's praying about it. And yeah, when you read Daniel 9, 4, the most important verse, maybe, you know, to know in that passage. And, he, and he's talking about, he, he's like, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. We've transgressed, we've sinned with this and that. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Mosaic covenant because we failed to, to, to live up to the standards of the Mosaic covenant, which we said we would do. So he's appealing to the father in Daniel nine, four to say, you, you're the father of the covenant of mercy and grace to those who love you and those who obey your commandments. Okay. Right. Well, what's that? That's the covenant that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and all those people followed. That's the covenant of mercy and grace. It's the everlasting covenant. So when you get to Daniel 9, 27, and it mentions that someone's going to come to confirm, which means it pre-exists, he's going to come confirm a covenant. Well, you just have to look back to Daniel 9, 4 and know that he's Messiah is coming to confirm the everlasting covenant, right? And then you look at the New Testament and it's full of passages about Messiah and 
right? In, in the covenant and specifically, um, I always forget which one it is, Hebrews, but uh, it's the Hebrews verse and it actually mentions the Messiah comes to confirm the covenant, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the mm -hmm. everlasting covenant. It uses those exact words. Yeah. So, and, and there's no verses in the New Testament about the Antichrist making a covenant yep. of any yep. type. Yep. So you just look at it and you go, wow, yeah, there's the fulfillment. And it's so cool. Like, I don't know about you. I'm sure you did get excited, but I got excited because yeah. I'm like, this is so cool to me to have scripture come alive in a way that it never had as well. Um, be able to read revelation without trying to figure out like, okay, well, where does the seven years come from? You know? And right. you know, right. when, when I dug in to the book of revelation, the, when you look at the Greek word for thousand, that's uncertain affinity. Like right. it's not talking right. to, you know, at, you know, as far as being, um, Satan bound and that, which we won't really get into on this episode, but I mean, that's <laughs> right. a whole nother, whole nother story. Right. Um, still working on that one. I know, I know that's a lot. Um, but yes, I just finished your revelation timeline decoded and I actually want to read a quote from it really quick. It's at the end because it just stuck out to me. It says, I believe that a remnant of set apart saints will rise up and expose the enemy's deceptions to spark an epic movement such as Luther did, which will lead to many millions of people coming out of Babylon, coming out of the teachings of the harlot church of Rome. And then a cup, um, a paragraph down, it says, we're not just waiting for Messiah to return. We're at war doing nothing only causes our side to lose ground to the enemy. I mean, I underlined that highlighted that <laughs> because it's so true. And, right. and I mean, just in my little reach on, on Instagram of, you know, what I do. And with this podcast, I see right. this, this remnant right now, like rising right. up, know. wanting know. to know truth. And it's so cool. So well, cool. that's why, that's why I love that you reached out to me and, and people do that and they reach out and they say that, you know, I was discontent with what I was being taught. I prayed about it. This is what I found. I was led to an audio video book, whatever. And they came on this path, but there's a common denominator of all these people, every single person that contacts me. And it's not about me. I'm just saying, but they reach out to tell a story and every one of them, it's just like you, right? It's not these people who were think they got it all figured out. It's not all these people that, that have, you know, all the answers is people that know something's wrong with the narrative. They prayed for it and the spirits guide in their path. And that's, there's your remnant. I see it all the time that the, 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 the bride is being prepared. Right. And part of the bride, I mean, look what it says, the what revelation 19, the bride is, is, is prepared and ready for Messiah. And it says, and it points to her righteousness. It's not pointing to the righteousness. Of, we're, we're saved by the righteousness of Messiah and his atoning work but it's pointing to her righteousness. And what that means is that she's come out of the false teachings of men, right? And the false hood, and she's ready. She knows what's going on. She's prepared. She's purified herself and she's ready. So, so yeah, I love that. So, you know, on the quote you were talking about, I just, we, we, we've been led to believe that, oh, it's going to get really bad with the script, apparently, and in any other way, it's going to get really bad. And then Messiah is going to have to come rescue us and capture the antichrist and can't capture the false prophet and i go maybe that's true maybe that's true but in my heart i believe that say i mean messiah could do that anytime he could come back and rescue us anytime do that anytime but i i'm convinced just like the protestant reformation he wants to win the war over the enemy through his saints right that's that's revelation 2 3 what's it say every single time to every single church era to the overcomers right? He wants the overcomers to defeat the enemy. 
And so that, that I, you know, whether that's, what's going to happen or whether Messiah is going to have to come rescue us, my job's the same. Yeah. Teach the exactly. truth, expose the deceptions, proclaim the gospel, yep. you know, redeem people into the kingdom. So. Yep, exactly. And we're using, right. uh, in my opinion, the tools that the enemy created, such as social media, you know, all of no. this like electronic stuff, like we're right. on Zoom recording this right now, you know, right. I, I see God is using it for his good right oh, now, yeah. like so yeah. much. And it's a beautiful picture too, you know, like that we're here to fight the good fight and to endure and to overcome. And I do see that, you know, just as you, like people are, are just craving more truth, craving truth, biblical truth, like they've never seen it. Um, and it's, it's so cool. So then when we're talking about like the end times, right. Um, like I said, I just got done with your revelation timeline decoded and it really did align. Um, I actually wrote a revelation study before I found your book and it did align a lot with that as well. I mean, I didn't understand the history like this, like, but I literally, you know, said, you guys, this has been going on since Jesus ascended this has been going on for that long. And, um, so then reading your book and, you know, seeing things that I, because I mean, his, in my opinion, history is hidden from us, right? This history, you have to dig to find it. Um, and so with all that being said, you know, where I don't really, I want to kind of end with this question, but where are we on the, (laughs) on the, on the revelation timeline? But, um, you know, cause I, I kind of want to talk about the Euphrates river drying up as well right now. So yeah. take it where you want it right now. Yeah, Just go in the order you were going to give and it'll, um, cause it'll, it'll kind of lead up Yeah. To, okay. You know, where we're at and, and then kind of the narrative kind of builds. So, okay. I mean, so, yeah. you, and you, you asked about the Euphrates river and I can allude to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really fascinating to mm-hmm. see the physical, well, let me back up. So revelation in revelation, a lot of people say it's just literal right? And, and so it's a literal uh, locus. It's literal sun, moon, and stars, you know, darkening all that stuff. And so it's very literal. The other narrative is that it's just symbolic. And so a preterist who believes that revelation was fulfilled in the first century, we tend to say it's just symbolic. But what I found to be true is that just like in his parables, Messiah used symbols, which are defined in the Old Testament, to point to a literal fulfillment, but that literal fulfillment is very different than just a literal reading of the text. So it's been really fascinating that the Euphrates River is drying up because people on social media, on Facebook, I'm sitting there watching these people proclaim, you know, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. And I'm like, I'm like, and I'm just in my heart going, but I know that most people don't believe that that's in the sixth bowl. So how, how, how does your mind process that you're saying this is the fulfillment of prophecy when most people don't believe that the seals, trumpets, and previous five bowls have been fulfilled? There's a disconnect there. And I just find it fascinating, but it's been an opportunity to, you know, try to, I did some videos about it and just tried to run with it and, uh, you know, get people to pay attention to say it. Maybe it's an opportunity to uh, wake people up to say, you yeah. know what? Yeah. We are really far advanced in the fulfillment of prophecy and, yeah. and you better pay attention. Right. Yep. yep. So, and this is one that you can see yeah. with your own two eyes happening. Like, I know. So, yeah. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. So I kind of did get off my, like <laughs> my, my outline here, but let's talk about the left behind series a little bit. So, you know, we talked about 
Daniel's 70th week, you know, how, how that wasn't, it, it isn't what was portrayed to, right. to all of us, right? That's right. seven years at the end of time. So how has the Left Behind series, because there is the new movie coming out here pretty soon, how does that play into more of the deception? Right. Um, well, it starts back to the script and how the enemy developed the script. So I try not to cover too much information in the discussion, but, but basically the script was created in the 16th century by the Jesuit priests. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that they created this script that we went through. The reason is, is that all the Protestant reformers were declaring that the popes of Rome, the office of the papacy, fulfill Bible prophecy as the little horn of Daniel, the son of perdition, the man of sin of Second Thessalonians 2, the Antichrist beast of Revelation, who leads the harlot church of Rome, right? And, and that's a right assessment by the Protestant reformers. And many people had said that before the Protestant Reformation. They, they've been, you know, as the popes ascended to power, taught things that are heretical, man-made concepts or against scripture, a false gospel, all these things. People had been, you know, protesting since, you know, the 10th, 11th century when they were rising to power. Um, in earnest, but the Protestant reformers did that. And so to counter that, the Jesuit priest, uh, it was Ribera, a Jesuit priest who wrote like a 500 page work about the explanation of revelation. And what he did is he created a futuristic 70th week of Daniel. So he cut that 70th week of Daniel off from that prophecy, put it in the end times as a seven year tribulation period and gave the basic script one man antichrist here. So it's not the Pope. It's the antichrist at the end times, right? It's so it, it was just a way to deflect blame away from the popes of Rome. And the saints knew better. The saints rejected that explanation for a few centuries, right? Nobody, nobody believed it except Catholics. And that was it. But progressively, um, the Jesuits just kept doing it. So they worked through, especially in the 19th century, they worked through people like Edward Irvin, John Nelson Darby, and Cyrus Schofield. And he was the major player and his Schofield reference Bible had the study notes in it. And they were futuristic explanations that were created by the Jesuits. Right. And so Baptist churches accepted them and million, many millions of copies were printed. So people started saying, Oh, okay, there's the fulfillment. And so that started getting into the, you know, into the system, the, the heresy, you know, of, of all that. Here's the interesting part is Schofield had a protege named Lewis Sperry Schaefer, right? So much so that when Schofield died, Schaefer took over as pastor of his church, right? So that's how tight they were. Well, then Schaefer went on to found Dallas Theological Seminary, right? So now you look at it and you go, oh, so that's how we went from the 16th century through these people from Schofield to Schaefer to Dallas Theological Seminary. Right. And now you can see the, the deception. So it's the premier seminary in the world. Right. There, there, there's none more esteem that I know about. And most people who go to school there, are you going to question your pastor or the, your professor about the meaning of prophecy? Are you going to trust them? Probably blindly. Yes. Right. And so you look at the graduates, look at Hal Lindsey, who published the best selling book, The Late Great Planet Earth in 1970. And he's been teaching it ever since. Very popular. So he influenced our parents and probably grandparents. So they, they knew all this. So they're latching on. Charles Ryrie, Chuck Swindoll, 
and insight for living, right? Very popular on TV and radio. He teaches, um, he was the president of Dallas Theological for a while, right? And now he's still there as chancellor. So he teaches their deception. So how, why, why are they in our minds through repetition, right? Chuck Swindoll, Hal Lindsey, David Jeremiah, Turning Point Ministries, same thing. He does TV, he does radio, he's a DTS graduate. Jay Vernon McGree, uh, McGee, Ron Rhodes. But then we come to Dr. Thomas Ice, DTS graduate, who partnered with Tim LaHaye, right? Mm -hmm. So he partnered with Tim to write the Left Behind books and the movies, create the movies. So now we have this direct tie from Dallas Theological Seminary to Left Behind. So yeah. that's why they're teaching those futuristic deceptions that were created by the Jesuits. So in the last century, that's why it's such a stronghold. Because think about all the DTS pastors who've gone out to the world who got taught this concept and now they're teaching everybody else. Yeah. So yeah. that's why the deception is so grand. Oh man. I mean, I remember when those books came out, I maybe. read them, you know, I, I think I was in maybe, I mean, late, late elementary school, maybe middle right. school, um, uh, probably middle school or early high school. I don't remember, but I read them. Like I remember right. that. And right. I mean, they were huge huge. Right. And so, yeah. What are your thoughts on this new movie coming out? Like specifically in the time that we're living in right now? I know. I think it's really interesting that it's coming out because it has, it's been about 20 years. Is that about right? Yeah. yeah. For the last book. So it's interesting, the timing, you know, that they're putting it forward, they're pushing their agenda and it's just going to lock it more into people's minds. So yeah. that when you present something that's contrary to it, people just shake their head at you going, I'll, I'll pray for you because <laughs> right? mm -hmm. yep. they just yep. think you're so far off base because here's the movie who shows us the script. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's literally like, yeah. okay, well, okay. Enemy, like you're doing, you're working hard right now to, to do that. And I mean, the biggest thing for me of kind of moving off of that, like, no, that's where there's no seven years at the end of time is that to me, there's no second chance. Like this is your chance. Like, and, and I don't know, I don't remember if you addressed it in any of any of your books, but in my opinion, once we are with Messiah, once the bride is with Messiah, whoever's, you know, going through the destruction of the earth, um, doesn't have a second chance. Am I, do, you know, do you agree with that? They don't have that second chance. And so I think that that um, deception of, oh, the church is going to be raptured pre-tribulation, then you're going to have all this time, you know, right. to, to right. read the Bible and accept Messiah as your savior, and right. then you'll be fine. Right. But to me, there's not that. Well, I just think um, Messiah comes at the end. Yeah. So there is no, there's nothing. There, yes, there is no exactly. time left because he come, he said it repeatedly. I'll come at the end. Yes. Right. So, so it's not at the end, uh, you know, it's just the, at the end of prophecy when it's fulfilled and we'll kind of go through a timeline or whatever, but yeah, when everything's been fulfilled, he'll return. And at that point, yeah, there, there's nothing. The antichrist and false prophet have been captured. The bride is with Messiah. There's, you know, there's, you can, you know, it, Revelation 20 refers to a time, a period of reigning that there'll be people out on the earth that aren't saved, it appears, because they're the ones who are rallied up by Satan at the end to try to attack the saints. But uh, can they be saved or not? I mean, it doesn't give us that yeah. information, yeah. but I really just, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. And I think that was the biggest like aha for me. Like, no, what's our commission? What, you know, what was the great commission? 
to ultimately to, to love God and love others and share the gospel, like get out there, share the gospel, share the truth, the biblical truth and, um, save people. And so if we have this thought process of like, I mean, maybe if it's not even us as, as Christians that have this thought process, maybe it's someone else like rejecting Messiah right now. Like, oh, you know, if that's real, if that's true, then, then I'll see the church leave, you know, go up in the clouds or whatever. And then at that point, I'll, you know, I'll pick up the Bible and read, but there's not that chance. And that's really interesting point because yeah, they're not going to say the lost are not going to see those things Yeah, that even they, they're even on the follow script. They're not going to see the things that maybe they've been told they'll see Mm -hmm. because people say that you, Mm -hmm. there's videos out there on YouTube that say, well, this video is for those people who've been left behind after we're raptured out. And here's the truth, but you know, well, not to go too far off the, whatever the track or whatever, but go for it. It's always been in my mindset when you, when you look at what the evil ones do through technology. When you look at all the satellites they have in the sky, when you look at holographic imagery, all the things that they can do, when you look at their control of the media, how they can control a narrative, look at the last two years, how, look how they control the narrative during the last two years. How do they do that through, through the medical institution, through government, through media, right? They control this whole narrative. And so in my heart, I go, you know, when you mentioned what about this movie coming up this year in my heart, I've always thought that the evil ones might try to stage a fake rapture scenario. So they control everything. They control absolutely everything. So how hard is it to make some people disappear? How hard is it to have computer imagery of people going up in the sky? Just like we always visualize they would, right? Just like left behind movies. You see them going up in the sky witnesses. Oh, they just disappeared. Clothes left behind, whatever. You could have the news filled up with that scenario. And so here's the thing, the people that are following the false script who are thinking that's the preacher of rapture and here comes the time of great tribulation and all this stuff. But more than that, they would be left with the reality of, wait, wait, hold on. Am I even saved? Because yep, Messiah exactly. left me behind. It's exactly. a fake scenario, but because they're believing the script, they might, it might cause them to struggle. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, yep. It would me. Oh yeah. Could you imagine? And I think people were gone who were the saints and I'm here. Then who am I? Exactly. Yep. So true. So I, and and I would believe that they would play that out in the fall Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the mindset is the Messiah will return on the feast fall feast of trumpets. So September in that area. So, you know, what if they're doing this movie this year, just put it fresh in people's minds. And then this coming, you know, yep. September, then they have a, cause they got the scenario of UFOs going on and all yep. this stuff and who knows what they're going to do. But I just fear so for true. people to, to think they've been left behind and, and, and have that cause them to stumble in their faith. Yeah. Well, if that happens and you're listening to this podcast right now, you're, you're okay. <laughs> I know. There you go. <laughs> Reach out to me. Cause I'll be here with you. Um, yeah. so yeah, we'll still be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so true though. I don't put it past them. I could totally yeah. see that playing out. So right. yeah, because I've heard the dates too of like, oh, fall 2023 or fall 2030. Those are the two like years that I keep like, and I'm like, eh, you know, right. yeah. So then with all of this, how does it play into this um, temple and the red heifers that are shipped to, to Israel, you know, our people are literally waiting for this to happen. Right. So I did a study or a video on it about how people are, how the enemy is, is arranging circumstances to make it seem like 
their script is coming true. And so the last couple, when Donald Trump was president, you know, he mentioned that he could make an Israel peace agreement. And then Jared Kushner said the same thing and he's Jewish. Right. And so he could, and he knows BB Netanyahu and all this stuff. And, oh, maybe he's the antichrist and maybe he's the one that's going to, you know, uh, make an Israel peace agreement. And in fact, Jared Kushner's building in New York, the dress is 666 fifth street or whatever. Right. So you, so the enemy positions people like Jared Kushner, we'll just say, to put him in an address called 666 to make him seem like the Antichrist. And then he maybe is going to make an Israel peace agreement. Right. And, and so they, they position all sorts of people as could be the Antichrist. And then um, for the narrative of the seven year tribulation period, the script for the Antichrist to enter the Jewish rebuilt temple halfway through the middle of the seventh week of Daniel, well, there needs to be a Jewish rebuilt temple. Will there ever be one? I don't think so because the father, they tried to build the, was it the fourth century? Something like that. I forget the exact story. Fourth or fifth century. They tried to rebuild the temple and it got cast down with fireballs. Yep. Right. It's yep. not going to, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to be allowed to I happen don't because it's an abomination. They, they go, when you read the script of second Thessalonians two, and it says the son or man, son of perdition will enter the temple of God. Well, I'm here to tell you a, a temple where they're going to sacrifice animals, which denies the one-time atonement by Messiah is not a temple of God. All right. It's an abomination. So, so, but they have to make it so they get, you know, oh, we got the instruments ready. Oh, we got the pre-system ready. Oh, wait, we found the perfect red heifer. Amazingly in Texas, which is really, you know, I'm not being smart, but I go, you know, I'm like, you're supposed to find the Jewish red heifer. I would think maybe you'd find that in Israel. Israel. Yeah. Right? Yep. Not, yep. Te not Texas, yep. but they do that every few years. They bring back the red heifer nar narrative because it just cements people's mind and go, there it is. There's the script. Yep. And yep. so, yeah, no, I totally agree yeah. with you on that. And I mean, there's even like friends of mine that, that, that agree with like, okay, there's no seven years, but that there's going to be a, a temple rebuilt. And I'm like, I don't right. think so. We right. are the temple. I believe that we are the temple. Right. Um, right. But, and, and, and I have a study and I covered in my videos, but all this, all the passages that they believe there's the justify a temple such as second Thessalonians two, yeah. right? Well, that's just pointing to the temple. Who's the temple? Well, Messiah the is church. the cornerstone and the disciples are the foundation and the saints are the little stones that make up the walls. We're the temple. So then you have a son of perdition pretending to be a priest in the temple of God, right? So now you're looking at the Pope who proclaims to be the leader of the one true church, but he teaches a false gospel, right? So that's the temple second or revelation 12, 11, one to two measure the temple, nothing to do with measuring official uh, physical temple. It's telling, it was, it was telling Martin Luther and it's telling us to measure what a church says and teaches against the rule of scripture to find out if they're a true church, to find out if they're part of the true church. So if you took Mormonism, if you took, you know, different religions and they're teaching this gospel and they're teaching this Messiah, are they a part of the true church? No, they're, they're allocated to the outer court of Gentiles, right? So that's what it's saying is measure the temple to find out if they're part of Messiah's true church or not. So the verses that they cite to point to a temple are not pointing to a physical temple. So there's mm -hmm. no scriptural justification for a temple. Yeah. Yeah. So. It is interesting how the script is coming up so much in the last year with that, with the red heifers, and then right. this left behind movie coming out. I mean, it is all plain in. Well, and it's, 
on the all of that discourse book and uh, videos, the temple Mount is not the temple Mount. Right. So, you know, when, when you look at the history, you go, no, that's the, that's the Mount of uh, former Roman Antonia fortress. Right. So that's where their fortress was, which overlooked the temple. The temple used to be South of the fortress. So the only thing that's left, the temple was destroyed with not one stone left upon another and Messiah words, his words were fulfilled. It's not like there's still stones left that Messiah wasn't right about. No, that's, that's part of the Roman fort. So they're praying, praying to the wall of their desolators, yeah. right? So oh, Rome was so sent nice. to desolate them, to punish them for yeah. continuing re rebellion and uh, rejecting their Messiah and, and delivering them to be killed. And so everything was destroyed, all of it, except for that wall. Right to show their authority. So, so even the whole narrative of the mosque needs to be removed to put a temple on top is a false narrative because that's not where the temple, real temple, would go. It would go south, and there's actually a road where it used to be. Wow. So, yeah. I would love to go to Israel right now and just see all of this. Like, I would love to do that. I went, I went on their 50th anniversary. Oh, did was, you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You of, told me that. Yeah. I was a part of Calvary Chapel and we went, and it was pretty amazing. Interesting. So, I'm, I'm so glad I went. Yeah. Yep. So you get to cool. see the sites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and see like where Jesus walked, you know, it's yeah. so cool. Well, um, and, 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 and what is esteemed, what is thought to be the tomb where he's buried. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. sat right outside of that tomb Gosh. and had, and there were, there were seats and stuff and you could sit there and we had a lesson and we had communion right outside wow. of where that tomb is. And we went and you can go in the tomb. Yeah. Part of it's gated off where he would have been laid, but you can actually go in and you're like, he's just like, wow makes yeah. all the sense in the world. It's in the right location. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. that gives me chills, even just yeah. thinking I would be like a mess. I would just be bawling my eyes out. Um, oh, we, so and we cool. went in the upper room, oh, what's wow. thought to be the upper room. Yeah. And you're like, look at what happened there. So, oh, so cool. So, cool. okay. So revelation timeline, <laughs> like, timeline. you know, with, with all this and, you know, I would agree with you about the Pope and I haven't spoke out about that. Like I told you much, um, because of the, the pushback. And I know so many people that revere the Pope. Right. Um, so, you know, with all that being said, where do you think we are? Like, you know, <laughs> Euphrates river, where are we? Right. Well, and let me preface it with, I mean, cause you know, there's a lot to cover, obviously, to, oh, yeah. to understand yeah, yeah, yeah. where we're at. Yep. You have to cover what's been fulfilled. So on yep. the Revelation Timeline Decoded.com website, mm -hmm. there are, um, so there's like a one-page thing. You can see this, okay? Yeah, and you can't read it, but it's just a one-page document. It's one of the things the Spirit has me do is make one-pagers. I try to help people give uh, small bits, big picture stuff. This goes through all the chapters of Revelation to show you what was fulfilled during that chapter, right? So it shows you that, and you can print that out. And yeah, then, I have this one right here. This print then, out. Yeah, yeah, and there's that. So you know what? I can send you a laminated one if you want to. It's it's colored. But, oh, that's uh, cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have the layers chart that shows you the same thing. Yeah. So those are available um, on the menu is, uh, so I take things in, in little chunks. So what that means is you got to meet, you can't overwhelm people with too much information. They got your baby steps. So there's on the menus, there's a fulfillment summary, just a very brief summary. On the homepage, you can request a copy, a free PDF copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded book summary. It's going to be like 95 pages. Right. And it's going to give you a more, much more detailed summary of the fulfillment of Revelation. 
um, than the video series and the book go verse by verse to give you a much, much more detailed explanation with the witness of some of the saints. So that's all available. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you kind of need. So in other words, what I'm saying is you can just kind of listen to what I'm going to say right now. But don't you don't have to hold on to it or yeah. you know what I mean try to remember it or anything yeah, like that. You, it's yeah, work. you have a YouTube channel that has the the breakdown of right. your video, like your videos. Oh, yeah. So check out David's YouTube channel. Like if you want just you know the it I mean it's still an overview because I've listened to a handful of those as well. Right. But I mean the book, I tell people I'm like, it's intense. Like it is intense because there's so much history and take right. your time because I took I really took my time going through it. Um right. But I mean, we're looking at what, 460 some pages. Yeah. This is crazy. I, I still don't comprehend that that book got written through me, but it's, it's crazy to sort through that information and, and have it in a sequence. And, and I gave it in historical fulfillment. Yeah. Um, so it starts, well, the first thing it starts with the seventh thing of Daniel. So once you understand that that's about Messiah and his ministry and it is death for our sins and, and all that, and it's not future then you can, that's why I have on the cover of 70th of Daniel. You need to understand the 70th of Daniel before you can understand revelation because there's no chance of understanding revelation. If you're thinking seven year timeline. So, but, but when you look at the words and I'm very literal. So when you look at the words in revelation in the first three verses, right? So, so let me start with the saints in the first few centuries and for the longest time taught. So up until geez, 1800, 1900, all the saints taught that the prophecies in Revelation have been in the process of being fulfilled since it was written. That was the understanding of the saints up until about the last century or so, right? So that's what they knew. So though we look at a majority who think it's all future when you look at history, but you look at Revelation 1, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. It's right there. It's telling you these things are going to start to come to pass right after it's written. Verse three, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Messiah is telling us right there. It starts now, right? And the first seal started right then. So, and, and, and again, I cover all this in, in detail, but you kind of have to back up to Daniel two and Daniel seven. So it described four beast kingdoms, right? And they, and, and so the statue was the basic description. And then Daniel seven was the answer for more information, which is describing the same four. So Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome with the last one enduring in power until Messiah returns. So in Revelation, John's picking up the narrative of the Roman beast kingdom, right? So he's given the narrative of the historical battle between the Satan empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom who fight against Messiah and his saints. So that's revelation in a, in a nutshell, right? How are we doing on time anyway? No, I mean, you keep okay, going. I just checked it because I was <laughs> looking, I go, wow, it's been 50 minutes. So anyway, no, I love it. I love I'm it. I'm fine, keep going. but I didn't know if you had a limit. So, and I'm just giving such a broad overview, but the pagan Roman emperors, when you study church history, they were used by Satan to persecute Messiah's church during 10 persecution periods that took place from the first century until what the fourth century, 312 AD when Constantine stopped them. So intense persecution where they delivered them up to Colosseum to be eaten by lions, to be killed by gladiators, to be dipped in tar, set on fire, right? So, so, so let me back up one part. When I was frustrated with the explanations people were telling me, I was like, 
how in the world did our beloved Messiah not have anything to say about those saints? How did he not have anything to say that the saints would endure such harsh persecution during, during the first three periods or three centuries during 10 persecution periods? How is that possible? But no, no, everything's all about us special people in the end times. How is that possible? Right? So it just bothered me so much. Um, so the seal judgments <clears throat> uh, were about bloody civil wars mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, empire, red mm-hmm. horse, economic strife from paying for the military infrastructure. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. U.S. is in massive debt because we we yep. fund a huge trillion dollar war machine, right? So there's the black horse, famine, pestilence, and death, right? The pale horse, fifth seal pointed to political turmoil in the Roman Empire as the emperors were battling against each other. They had divided the empire up into three parts, and now those guys are battling against each other, and Constantine prevailed. Mm-hmm. Um, the sixth one points to the narrative of the blood of the martyrs crying out for vengeance against the Roman Empire. That's the visual. So it's talking about the martyrs, not talking about the end times. It's talking about all those people who died during the 10 persecution periods by the Roman emperors. And that vengeance came during the trumpet judgments. So it's really interesting because like I said, like, I feel like this history of, of the Roman kingdom of the church, essentially of Christians isn't taught. Like I, I mean, you hear about it a little bit, like, okay, the dark ages, you know, the Bible was withheld, you know, all these things, but you're not taught this history. Like, and it just literally like it it, it all fits. So, well, and I have a video about how Messiah foretold world events. So I have one that starts kind of the series and then I have a one again, and where I tie it into prophecy to help people see the visual. But we're missing out on the big story is that Messiah foretold a lot of major, major events that took place during the course of history. And that's what I mean. If people understood this, you would see the exacting fulfillment. So the first trumpet, so the the Western Roman Empire, the empire deserves judgment, right? They're pagan and they've killed the saints. So they deserve judgment. The first trumpet points to the Goths. Now we got to remember our history if we've heard these names, right? But the Goths who were led by a lark. The second trumpet to the Vandals. You've heard of them, right? Vandalism. Yep. They yep. terrorized. Yep. That's yep. the Vandals. They were led by Genseric. The third trumpet to the Huns and Attila, who was called the Scourge of God. So he was executing justice. And when you read the book, there's so much of the story. These people, a lot of these people, Attila, the Hun and stuff like that, they knew that they were on, a, they weren't believers, but they knew they were on a mission from God to go punish people who were apostate, who were, who deserved judgment. They knew that. So, so it's in the, in their history, in their bio. The fourth one uh, what points to the Heruli, led by Adoeser, which led to the Western Roman emperor being removed from civil power. It ended that office. So you can go look up the emperors, and it ended in 476 AD, which is a huge event. Mm-hmm. Right In the first century, they were in full power, conquering nations. And now, here we are, 476, yeah. and the Western Roman emperor is removed from power. Yeah. Right? yeah. There are no more emperors. So um, the four... Trumpet judgments were against the Western third. So again, it was divided up into three parts, Western, Central, and Eastern. So when John points to a third, third. not pointing to a third of the whole earth, it's pointing to a third of the Roman empire. Right? Because isn't that um, Greek word for land or earth or one of those um, means right. like literally where they are, not right. the whole. Earth. A region. Yes. That's pointing to the region. It's not pointing. There's a different word, word that's used later on, like cosmos. 
um, that's pointing when we get into later in Revelation that points to the whole world. So it's the deceptions of the whole world, right? But like Revelation 18, 23, that the, the elite are misleading people with the sorcery, misleading the whole world. So, which is but, happening right now. <laughs> I know. Sorry. So that's a whole nother time. I know. I know. But, uh, um, so yeah, it's just pointing to everybody. And we've been led to think all these judgments are against the whole earth, but they're not. It's all about the Roman empire because they deserve judgment. That's where the saints are proclaiming the gospel. That's where the war has taken place. Nothing's going on relatively outside of that, right? That's the theater of the battle. So, um, so then you get to, so that was one third of the empire judgments in the first four trumpets. And there's not a lot of detailed explanation, but we can look at history through people like Edward Gibbon. So Edward Gibbon wrote um, the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't trying to prove prophecy fulfillment, but I think he was led by the spirit to do the work that he did. So we can look at his testimony about what took place to see, oh, wait, there's the first seal. There's this. He picked up the narrative of, the, uh, of his bio with Trajan, who ruled shortly after Revelation was written, and it was the most prosperous time, right? And, and so and he ends it at the sixth trumpet. And I'll show you that in a minute. So his bio went from the first seal to the sixth trumpet, which is absolutely amazing because the sixth trumpet represents the decline and fall of the Roman empire. Wow. Right. So wow. the fifth trumpet points to the rise of the Muslim armies in Islam mm -hmm. who attacked the middle third of the Roman empire. The sixth trumpet points to the Turks who were released from the area of the river Euphrates to attack the Eastern Roman empire. And they conquered Constantinople with large cannons. So fire, smoke, and brimstone. And it became Istanbul, right? So now the Western emperor has been removed from power in 476. The Eastern Roman emperor has been removed in 1453. Now the empire's dead, right? So judgment has been poured out. So that's, but you look at that and you go, okay, these are earth-changing events that took, uh, you know, uh, happened in our history. And our history book should be full of that narrative, but my pastor never taught, none of my pastors ever taught me yeah. that, wait, this is Bible prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. We've told these events. And that's what I'm pointing to. Like if, if this comes across through the internet and people get hold of this, then you have tangible evidence for the Bible, the, you know, yep. Messiah yep. ZD and everything. You have the whole story. You yep. have an open and shut case, you know, if people will listen. Yep. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, in your book, you go into detail about all of these. And it's so cool to see, you know, even when you're saying like, Hey, this is what, um, the, where it says like a stars from heaven has fallen, right? Like, what does that mean? Let's look at the old Testament. So I really like how you go back and you explain that this is what it represents. Um, so yeah. Okay. So where are we seventh what? trumpet? And, and, and so, you know, the, the thing with stars and all that stuff uh -huh. is that, you know, I just read revelation one and three and it said, blessed is those who read it and understand. But the thing is, is your understanding of revelation is based on your understanding of the old Testament. Yes, absolutely. Right? Because all the symbols the Messiah used are in the old Testament. So it's like a test. It's yep. like a, it's like, it's like, did you really study the whole word? Yep. Right. Yep. Because the symbols that I'm using are defined there. They told you, you know, when it comes to the sun, moon and stars, like, like people go, what's the little sun, moon, and stars? It's like, no, there's like three or four cases you can cite in the Old Testament of, you know, Babylon, Edom, all these different um, empires that the sun, moon, and stars were darkened. Symbolic language pointing to a leadership system being removed from power. So when we get to the sixth, you know, uh, seal, 
when we get to the fourth trumpet and it says the sun, moon, and stars are darkened and rolled up like a scroll. It's not talking about the heavenly bodies. It's talking about the leadership system being removed from power. Yeah. Right. But you got to know the Old Testament to understand that. Yeah. And I mean, I can be the first to say like in my own life, it wasn't until I committed to reading the Old Testament for myself, right. not just right. like in church here and there. Um, and, and as I was going through that, that's when the Holy Spirit was prompting me to dig into Revelation. Like the timeline in my own journey in that, I'm like, absolutely. You have to know the Old Testament. Um, and it's so good too. I mean, the stories, I'm in Ezekiel right now again, and it's just, I mean, it's a, it's definitely an interesting book of the Bible, but it's so cool, you know, just like, okay, what was going on and understanding that in that day, what was going on right? and what he's talking about. So that's so yep. right. Yep. And, and one word, what I'll say is I'll mention, um, so if you look up, you can find this on studylight.org or software, you know, carries the, their Bible commentaries, but Adam Clark, Adam Barnes. Matthew Poole and John Gill. If you look to those, if you're trying to find an answer about whatever passage in the Bible, those people, you can find their whole Bible commentaries and they're so good. They don't have everything, right? They're men, but still they do such a good job of explaining, you know, all yep. that stuff. So I've yep. leaned on them. They've become my pastors. Yep. <laughs> truly. I love it. So we ended at the sixth trumpet. That was the effective end of the Roman empire. But in the meantime, during the last 500 years or whatever, leading up to that, the popes of Rome were taking power, right? So in the background, though, the empire, the civil empire is being attacked, the popes of Rome took power and they were making war with the saints during the dark ages, during the inquisition, they were having Catholics torture and kill tens of millions of saints. So that deserves judgment, right? So this uh, revelation is just all about judgment, not against the whole world, world but against the Satan empowered leaders of the Roman empire who have made war with Messiah and his saints. That's the context. It's not about judgment against the U S it's not about judgment against countries because they're wicked. There's been wicked countries for thousands of years. It's not that we don't deserve judgment. I'm just saying that's not what revelation is about. It's about the battle between Satan and Messiah, the battle between the Roman beast kingdom, right? Called the great city and the battle of the saints who are called Holy Jerusalem. Right. So punishment was due on Catholics in France and Spain and other countries who had revered Mark on their forehead and obeyed Mark on their right hand, the Antichrist Beast Pope's command to kill the saints. Right. So here comes the bold judgments. So the first three bold judgments were about the bloody French Revolution. So France was about a 50-50 split between Catholics and Protestants. And so they either killed all the Protestants or they drove them out. So that deserved judgment. So here comes the bloody French Revolution, right? Where in the very same places in the big cities and in the rural areas with the, uh, the springs, the Rhine, the Po rivers, they were killed. Their blood was shed. It was a righteous judgment. You, you shed the saints' blood, you get your blood shed. The fourth judgment was about the bloody Napoleonic Wars against countries who had persecuted the saints. So we know Napoleon, we know what he did. We know he scorched Europe and he spilled a lot of blood, but the underlying narrative was it was righteous judgment against countries who had spilled the blood of the saints. He didn't do it for that reason, but the father's in control. 
right? So men have their own motives of doing that, of causing the French Revolution and all that stuff. But ultimately, it's all always used by the father, right? Fifth ball led to the, the Antichrist beast popes being removed from civil power in 1798. And that ended their 1260 year reign. So that brings us to the sixth trumpet, which is you bring the story full circle. So the drying up of the river Euphrates is pointing to the Turks who were released during the sixth trumpet judgment, right? So they, they grew into the mighty Ottoman empire and it was a vast territory, right? So, so they con conquered Constantinople and they kept expanding and expanding. So the drying up of the river Euphrates is symbolic for the drying up of the Ottoman empire. And they lost this territory and they were only left with the territory, the state, the country, I guess, of Turkey which is the source of the Euphrates River. Mm -hmm. I mean, think mm -hmm. about that, right? Here's the story. They're left with the only country that's is the source of the Euphrates River. And the symbolism that's used to describe the Turks and the Ottoman Empire is the yeah. Euphrates River, yeah. right? Yeah. I just, it's just, I didn't like history in school. Yeah. yeah. Now I love history. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. It is so, so cool. Um, so that led to the Kings of the East. Right. So the drying up of the river Euphrates, drying up of the uh, uh, Ottoman Empire led to the kings of the East. And that's the Khazar Jews who had lived in Eastern Europe and they moved into the Holy Land, which led to the creation of Zionist Israel. So there's your kings of the East. So we have that answer. So that's where we're at. So this is where we're at on the timeline. Right. So, you, so like I said, it takes us back to the literal drying up of the Euphrates River. And guess what? Though that wasn't the fulfillment of prophecy, it's a physical manifestation of physical secondary fulfillment, if you will, that shows you this. Guess what, kids? We are in the sixth vial, sixth bowl judgment. And this is where Messiah says, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth the garments, lest he walk naked and lest they see his shame. Who's naked? The people who are following the script, right? The people who are following the false script don't know where we're at on the fulfillment of revelation. They're expecting a future scenario, all this stuff. So they're going to be caught by surprise. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are naked, right? Mm -hmm. Cause they don't, they don't have the, the, the proper context. Yeah. So. Yep. And I love that you bring up the um, Kazarian Jews too, because over the past, I'd say year, year and a half, I see that term come up more and more. And so probably, I think it was last spring was the first time I really dug into that history. Right. And right. it's exactly where we are because in yeah. my opinion too, I mean, would you agree? Are those the Jews who say they're, or those who say they're Jews and they're not, they're of the synagogue right. of Satan. Yeah. Like that's them. Yeah. So when you, when you look at revelation two and three, mm -hmm. there are seven church eras. I mean, there, there's aspects of what Messiah said that applies to all churches. Yeah. So it applied to the churches in the first century. It applies to all of us. We should all follow the advice that he gave us, but it's seven church eras. And so the church era of Philadelphia, which preceded the one we're in, right. Which is Laodicea Messiah said to those people. So this is when those Khazar Jews rose up. This is when the Khazar Jews were moving into Israel and all that stuff and, and populating it. And he was talking about those people. And he said, yeah, they're of the synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews, then they are not, but they do lie. And so Messiah is pointing to these people who are Jews by religion, not blood. And the problem with that is, is that their religion is based on the Babylonian Talmud in the satanic Egyptian Kabbalah, which they use to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's not a good thing, right? So that whole narrative of the Khazar Jews, Zionist Israel, is a much different story than what we're taught in church. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Blindly support these people. Yeah. We want yeah. all Jews to believe in Messiah, but we shouldn't blindly trust people yeah. just because they say they're Jews. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it all just, it does fit together where we are. Right. And, and it's, that's, what's so cool about, um, our creator too, is that he just like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I'm sure you under, you feel it too, of just like bringing things to mind. It's like, okay, so why am I hearing about these Kazarian Jews now? Right. Like right, why right. now? And right. I dig in and it, this has just come full circle of where we truly are. I mean, I, I agree. Like we, we are there and it's coming up more and more. I think that, I mean, that's a whole podcast for another, another day, <laughs> like that history. Right. Well, I mean, I'll probably have to have you back a couple of times, um, yeah. but it, it is like a, a fulfillment. So then if we're there, we have this, the seventh bowl left. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and my biggest thing is I don't want people to fear because well, once you know it, there's, well, there's no fear. But think about think about what knowing. Okay, so let's let's say that all the seals, trumpets, first five bowls, and part of the sixth bowl is already fulfilled. Okay, that just did away with all the scary stories that yep. Left Behind has given you. Yep. It did away with all the stories of locusts filling the air and scorpions biting you and tormenting you for five months and this and that. All those terrible stories that they created and sell books on and make movies on are not true, and they're not future. It's not to say there's not going to be tribulation because you can be assured that the enemy whites, I mean, just like they tried to do with the Roman empire, just like the, the popes did during the dark ages and in inquisition, you can be sure that the leader, the general in Rome wants to get rid of Messiah's saints. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and that's going to come to a head, you know, in the future. Um, yeah. So future, I think that, um, I think that the three unclean spirits, you know, that are referred to in the sixth file, um, you know, it's like, it's Nazism, right. Communism, political Zionism. So those isms, those human man-made constructs, which have pushed the narrative of world wars, right. So we've had world war one, world war two that have shaped, reshaped the world, given control to the, any, uh, to the evil ones of countries they didn't have control of. So I think it probably points to world war three between Muslim countries and Zionist Israel, which would cause the world to scream. Let's not fight in the name of religion. Let's not do that. Let's come together and sing Kumbaya, you know, in the name of peace and safety in a warm world government, right? Because nobody wants to see all this bloodshed and stuff. And, and Christians especially don't want to see Israel attacked. So I think that there'll be a worldwide economic collapse. I think that's leading us to the seventh file, right? And, and we're right there. The evil ones control the economy. The evil ones have it propped up by printing trillions of dollars. They'll tank it when they want to tank it and not a moment soon when they're ready, they'll do what they're going to do. Right. So I think that'll lead us to a time economic collapse where nobody will be able to buy and sell the whole system will shut down. Right. And then what's going to happen? The, the, the major countries, the United States, um, the major cities, they're all going to be bowed down to the one world government, the system. You don't have a choice. Your dollar is dead. Your currency is dead. The whole system's dead. You don't have a choice but to line up with the system. And it's all by design, obviously, but it forces the issue with people, right? Because if you can't buy and sell and the Pope comes on the scene and says, well, we've been, we saw this coming and we've been planning ahead because they caused it, right? 
So we've been planning ahead and we have this one world financial system backed up with gold, right? All the gold they stole from all the countries in the world. So if you join with us, if you revere me as a savior of sorts and you obey me and join the one world government, then you have the mark of the beast on you, right? Now a chip, a tattoo, those could be used as the digital part of it to say you're part of the one world government. That's not the mark itself. That's just a result of having the mark. The mark is always about revering and obeying the Pope. Right now, today, 1.3 billion Catholics have the mark of the beast on them. Why? Because they revere and obey the Antichrist of prophecy yep. as their leader. Yep. Right? So that's what it is. Um, so I think that'll, we can see that on the horizon. Yep. We can see yeah. the Pope. The Pope was just leading. He just led a forum recently about artificial intelligence yep. and we got to get ahead of this and we got to, you know, work with this artificial intelligence and it can help us in growing food and it can help us with this and this and this, but we just got to watch it. And so now he's meeting with IBM and Microsoft leaders and world leaders, and he's already esteemed by religious leaders and government leaders. I mean, he's the one guy who's going to unite the whole world together. You can see that there's nobody mm -hmm. else that's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yep. Yep. One world religion too. You yeah. know, that's oh, yeah. right there. So, right. oh my goodness. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about this. Um, and like I said, I may have to ask you to come back again. Like I have so much <laughs> yeah, we more. could get into more details and stuff. I mean, I yeah, know. all I can do is do broad summaries of, of things to try to open up people's yeah. eyes and you still yep. have to do your research and stuff, but there's much more to the story, but yeah, no. there is. Yeah. And I love your, um, come, your come out of her.org website too. Um, yeah. and so <laughs> I've read through that and your true gospel story decoded. That's, that's, yeah. That's so the good. next part of the story is like, you know, yep. learn, learn the worldly stuff, then we'll learn the prophecy deceptions and then yes. learn the theological yeah. issues that we've been taught that are man-made and how do you, yep. how do you become pure to come out of man-made teaching? So that's, yep. that was the next step in my yeah learning. Yep. yep. I mean, I loved it, you know, and, and even in that little um, download that you have the gospel story of yeah. the, the Lord's feast as well, because, right. you know, when we were talking uh, last month, I told you, I'm like, we did, I, a friend of mine and I wrote a um, feast, a biblical feast study. And that right. was the first time I ever dug into it. And it was just so right. amazing. It's so cool. Right. Um, but right. again, we're not taught that we're not taught that. Well, and it's the full gospel story. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's not, it wasn't for the Jews. It was for the Israelites. And who's an Israelite? One who has a covenant relationship through the father or uh, with the father through the son. That's an Israelite. So we esteem the feast days. We celebrate them because Messiah is re fulfilling them to redeem his set apart saints. It's just the gospel story. That's yep. all it is. But the so enemy cool. has tricked us. Yep. So, so cool. So yeah, where it. can people find you? Um, read your books. I would say the easiest thing, because I have the 73 of Daniel prop, uh, website, Olivet Discourse website, Revelation website, but I would say BibleProphecyDecoded.com. And the reason is, is because I wanted one unifying website that has all the narratives. So it starts with the 73 of Daniel. Here's links to the one, one page PDFs. Here's links to the videos. Here's links to the book that you can download for free or you can order. Then it goes through all of that discourse, same thing. And then revelation. So it steps you through the process of learning step-by-step step to learn it, to, to get the whole picture. So that's the easiest answer. Okay. Yep. And then it links to the other websites. It links to YouTube. It links to the audios, all that okay. stuff. Perfect. So. And that's BibleProphecyDecoded.com. Got it. 
Okay. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, I'm honored that you would agree to come on here and chat and I'd love to keep in touch as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's why, that's why I'm here for people who want to learn, right? Yeah. That's that's why I live for it. It makes my day. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And if you are listening to this podcast, if you have questions, because I'm sure you do go to that website, BibleProphecyDecoded.com. Feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to David via the um, website, uh, his website. And I mean, we're both here to talk about this too. It's so cool. So yeah. yeah. Anything you want to wrap up with? Yeah. I mean, if you comment on my website, I'm pretty diligent about, you know, being good at following up. I mean, I will respond to what you have to say. And if you have a different point, that's fine. And I'll try to help you see, help you see how I I see it. And, you know, I'm glad to answer questions. I mean, I know it's a lot to take in. I I get it totally. So I'm here to help people who want to learn the truth. So yep. Awesome for having me on. Yeah. Well, thank you guys until next time. um, Be in your Bible, read your Bible and start digging in. So have a great day, you guys. Bye.